This is an ABC podcast. 25 years ago, in Papua New Guinea's northwestern Atape region, sometime around 6 in the evening, a strong earthquake struck. About 20 minutes later, three waves, one after the other, flooded the West Sepik region. The waves were 10 to 15 metres high, and several villages along the northwestern coastline were destroyed. Around 2,200 people were killed and 10,000 left homeless. I'm Ruther Alec filling in for Hilda Wayne and to mark the 25th anniversary, we're remembering the 1998 Atape tsunami. Sisters Let's Talk will spend the next two episodes looking back on the moment the waves hit, on the days and weeks that followed and the lessons learned from this disaster. The stories we'll hear in this episode and the next are harrowing. We've spoken to people who remember the day vividly and you might find their accounts of the disaster distressing to hear. Please take care in listening to this episode. And if you need to talk to someone about how the tsunami affected you or any concerns that these episodes raise, you can contact your local health authority for support. We've included some phone numbers for Papua New Guinea on our website. Aitape journalist Alice Ossie was just seven years old when the tsunami struck her home. Although she's a journalist now, she had never spoken about the events of that day. Until last year when Hilda Wayne interviewed her for Sisters Let's Talk. Alice speaks English, but at times she found it easier to share her story in her mother tongue, Tokpisin. So we asked our colleague, Caroline Terriman, to translate. Here's Alice's story. I was doing my grade one. Dad was a district aquaculture officer at that time. He often stayed in town and go to work, and then he would return in the afternoon. So that Friday, he told us that he was coming back to the village. He went back to the village and we stayed and we were so happy that he, he, he went home. And then mom was cooking and we were enjoying ourselves. He was giving us sweets and biscuits and whatever he could afford for us. Not long we, we felt that earthquake. It was massive. At first we thought it was nothing big. So, we stayed, we were not scared, but then it felt different. So, sorry, you know, me explain the pigeon and my right click, like I'm kind of it's a memory, so I tried putting it in English. It's, it's a bit hard for me. Okay, go on. So, Midla sit down, start, and then that earthquake, uh, it, it started shaking. It wasn't big, but when it started shaking, it became uh, stronger. And we were so scared. So I couldn't stand now, so I tried to run. And Dad called and said, no, you have to come back. The ground might be my ground by broke. Now you were going to the ground. Her father said, don't move, don't run, because the, the soil or the ground may open up and swallow you up. So and 
sinauti mifla kame na esa look I saw the trees the trees they were shaking head long only go down touching ground and then only go on top again they were not standing straight like she's describing the trees as almost falling but then going going straight back up she said it was just so frightening so I'm kind of saying put him try to feel or mistreat. So I can remember, kind of saying, I was seven, but I can still remember it clearly. It was so scary. I couldn't stand. My legs were shaking. My legs, they were shaking very, very hard. I couldn't stand, so I fell to the ground and missed Philip. Philip Lowesan. The fear just overwhelmed her. And then mom, mom went up to the house to get MC1 Balapla blow, current baby brother blowing. My baby brother was seven months old. She, she heard that sound coming from the beach. It was like death of death fighters going to a war, coming in groups, something like that. We all heard that thing and then the place went dark. It was around six, upper six, this time, the sun was still high, and the place was clear, but after this earthquake, the earthquake was still shaking, and the sound, it came, accompanied that earthquake, yeah, and come towards the beach area. And come in the place, and it just went dark, and then mom, and Luglu got on and she thought, uh, rain was coming, there was a big rain coming. But as she looked closer and looked again, she saw that, no, there were white tips. Kind of same, so and brook, it was coming towards the land. They saw the white tips coming from the ocean. And it, the, the noise was just so loud that the, it was frightening. They didn't know what was coming. And then she called to dad and said, hey, there's a big wave coming. And dad was like, ah, you German. And Mr. she said, no, you, you come and look, look, go down. And then he ran up, stood at the veranda of the house and looked down the beach. I'm looking for solar, I am come. And then he said, run. Me and my brother, we didn't know where we, we were going. So Mibla just ran. There was no mountain nearby. There was no whatever we can climb. So Mibla just ran, and we were making our way towards that lagoon. While we were running, and Solwara and Brook, Namelo threat. The tsunami hit when they were running away from their house. And then I'm approaching this log get a house, you can hear everything cracking breaking even the tall trees in the village and broke him go down and come out him all and we ran so as my brother and i were running we were at the same time looking at this last tall where i am wrong denny miplalo backside come they heard uh, breakages of things like trees and other things that were broken by the the huge waves and like they were still running, but it was just frightening. 
we turned and we went towards the lagoon. The Mibla ran and sweeping Mibla off the slab. I couldn't remember anything else. I, I fell into a water well. And Tami opened my eyes, me. I was in the water. It was hot, kind of warm, and there was light. I could see everything in the water. It wasn't dark, kind of. Normally, you would go into the water at night and you, could, you couldn't see anything. But this last time, I could see everything in there. I could see the all up up all DY blow house and all Morata blow house and whatever. She could see a lot of things in the water, like um, sago leaves, which uh, were used uh, to build the houses. They were in the water too, and other pieces of wood. She also saw when she was in the in the lagoon or in that well. So as I stepped, it was total darkness and there was no land. All the place is covered in water. And then me trying to swim and I couldn't swim because I felt body blooming and she big up and threat, so I couldn't tell what was wrong with me, but I struggled. The tide was very strong. So me swim. I swam and I could hear people screaming for help. There were mothers calling for their children and husbands calling for their wife and dads calling for their children. So me, Bianintasol, whoever was calling and I tried swimming, but I couldn't swim. So I grab onto a log now, me walk lot time, struggle at the same time, swim. But first, I was losing me because the tide was, the current, it was very strong and it was going out. It was flowing out the lagoon and it was taking children and whatever it came out into the open sea. So time while I was swimming, another wave came. So there was like a total of three waves. The first one, I'm come out in village. Second one, he come. And number three, one, he come. So me dive under, and then I surfaced again, and me, plus, me swim towards whoever was calling, and then me swim, me go. And then some people came. I called, but they couldn't rescue, or just come, me go, and then second group of people came and me call again. So me seen out now, they pedaled towards me. And someone came and lifted me off the slab. Warana put him on the She was taken in a boat, a rescue boat, which also had lots of people who had lost loved ones in the waves to an island inside the lagoon. And then as told Simigo, they found my mom and they told my mom, we got your daughter and she said, which one? They said, no, your daughter. And she said, I have two daughters, which one? 
And they said, no, the bigger one, the black skin one. Oh, no, me no like him, this last he said. The mother said, oh, no, I, I don't want that one. And then all go Lucy Mila Hapna. I stayed with my aunt. My mom, she was also Her mom was dead, also uh, injured and her clothes were torn. But the mother was, was really injured, badly injured. She said that she didn't see her her mom with her little brother. So I stayed with my mom's elder sister. And then my uncle came and she me like in law this la mighty at seventeen July. And she me like further inland again. We went up to one Planikwara. The place where they took them was right in the middle of the village. Yeah, so I asked her where's dad and she said, I don't know where your dad is. I am more closer to my dad than my mom. So when she told me I couldn't see your dad or I didn't find your dad or your dad was not with me, I'm kind of saying the fear it grew. Fear go big plus threat. And then time light it is in skin blooming, they saw that the sun skin the sun came up and she could see her skin. Her skin was like all peeled off. It was just so horrific when the salt water got into it. The next day now daylight so mom could see that the next day, when the sun came mom, up, her mother saw that she was really badly injured. She told me um, times when she was running, wind came, baby brother These strong winds um, blew her baby brother off her mom's arms. She and her mom and others jumped into boats and paddled in, like in the lagoons, which was just full of dead bodies. It was filled with dead bodies and remaining of her remains of houses, kind, kind something. Clothes, one of kind you talk, there were everything in that lagoon. As we made our way down, it was clearing. They had to move bodies and debris to make way for the canoe to, to go through because there were just dead bodies everywhere. Survivors, they could find all Kisimol too, and they were making their way up to where we were. Well, on their boat, they saw other people, including her dead, were coming towards them. Dad saw me, and I'm talking about you have to go to where that child is, so me by kicking them. So time will come now, me and mom got off the other boat that we were on, me play call up on them, Papa Ablo Milo, Narvlo boat. When we got on, 
lying in the middle of the boat. Yeah, big la brata born. In the middle of that boat was her brother. Me and him were so close. So I'm, when he died, I, you know, a best friend. But yeah, we made our way up to the river. Me go to the nearest village and Ramo. So along that way, um, we buried my brother because we don't know how go. Wow, Alice, this is this is just um, this is just a horrific memory for a child, you know, being seven years old. This is just horrific, and I know yeah. you've never shared this before, and for you to share it with us is just, you know, um, I just admire your your strength and resilience. Thank you. So a total of three of your siblings passed away in the tsunami. Yeah, yes, yes. And, and my grandfather. How did you you and your parents cope or your family cope after all this loss? Um, there was no um, therapy or some kind of rehabilitation given to us, the victims, overcoming this loss and fear and horror and whatever you name it. So kind of um, as years go by, we try to kind of um, but me talk on them live with the fact that it happened. Na emigo. Every 17th July, when there are commemorations in those villages that were affected by the tsunamis, she doesn't go because it's too much. Or lighting all candles na. Walking on Lily Glotun, go put him on flower or mat mat, not this lacaina, write him name, or family, or lose him or this lacaina. Or big brother, she's just saying she misses her older brother because they were very close. And when she sees other, you know, men who are there for their sisters and their nephews or nieces. She just feels really sad because she lost hers during the tsunami. That is so heartbreaking. And I still, from the way you're talking, you still, your heart is still broken. You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Ruther Alec, filling in for Hilda Wayne, and over the next two episodes on Sisters, we're remembering the 1998 Atape tsunami. As the 25th anniversary approaches on July 17th, it's important to bear witness to the memories of that day and reflect on how we change disaster management for Papua New Guinea and the Pacific. Next week, we'll delve into the aftermath and look to the future. But today you're hearing from Alice Ossie, who spoke to Hilda Wayne late last year. You're also hearing Caroline Tiriman translating parts of Alice's story. After the tsunami hit 
I guess communities were relocated. Yes. What, what, what can you remember happening to you and your family, including your auntie, in the aftermath of the tsunami? We went up to Ramon. There was a settlement, a settlement then, or care center, or creating or creating a care center, and some people stopped there. Oh, they were told that they would be picked up by helicopters or something like that. But when they were waiting, a truck came to the village, and she says she doesn't know how the vehicle came through to the village because obviously it was just bush. This truck or the vehicle arrived with uh, uh, food for the people who, who were there. So helicopters arrived to pick up the injured, and so she and her mother were picked to go on the helicopter, but she she didn't want to go on the helicopter with her, without her dad. So I was sitting there, and only like tram come carry me go, and me walk or run away, lol stop in a bottle. Probably two bakala helicopter. And she gave them hell, I think. So then they said, "Okay, your dad can come with us in the helicopter." Seems like a strong-willed girl. <laughs> so my dad came, carried me, and yeah, So she went with her parents on the helicopter, but her two other brothers stayed with their grandmother. So what me thing I'm walking me black again lo sla ramo kesentaya or carry me black go ken lo sitano the helicopter uh, took them to this um, small government station airstrip then they saw other people who were you know really badly injured as well and some of them looked like as if they were burnt she doesn't know how they got those burns but they were just their bodies were just uh, terrible you know peeled and things like that while they were there another earthquake occurred and um they could just see this red light on the beach and they don't know what what was that but it was just following the beach The helicopters or planes that came to pick up the injured or those injured, they couldn't fit all of them in the planes or those who were still there and badly injured died. And so they had to bury them, but those who were taken were brought to hospitals in Aitepe, Vanimo, and Wewek.
Monday, um, my dad got me and my mom on a Garamut plane, this old single engine plane, yeah. And we travel down to Vanimo. Time when we arrive in Vanimo, I'm sick and pull up in it. Her dad took her mother and herself on a small plane called the Garamut plane to the hospital in Vanimo, but when they got there, the hospital was uh, just packed to the brim with other injured uh, people. So me blog was stop lausik, me no sawe how long me stop lausik wante mama blu me. Me blog stop and then me blog. So the emergency um, services, the army or military, uh, had uh, set up tents all over the place in Vanimo, like uh, just went for miles. All these. Um, Tents, which uh, they were made into like emergency shelters. All the tents, so yeah, they were just full of uh, people who were injured, and she and her mother were also treated there, and they were discharged in the August or September. But lo mibla me chopa ikam also put him or something in groups na also dilim according lo one one tent. So when she and her mother got back to the village, uh, people were still living in the tents that were provided. And, you know, they were still seeing helicopters bringing emergency food for, for the people who needed it. These observations you're making from, you know, seven years old and it's... Yeah, that, that, it's amazing what you, you can still remember. It's like fresh in your mind. After all these experiences, what keeps you going? What motivates you to keep living your life after what you've experienced? The encouragement from my dad. He said, don't give up. If you give up now, your future will not be the same as you are today. So that the motivation from him kept me going. So, but then unfortunately I lost my dad in 2013 when I was doing my final year at Divine World University. So yeah, that uh, motivation that he gave me kept me going every time. Yes, it is. I'm talking to me. You are a good person. So no can let him talk talk blow narrow down him you. Do what is right and keep going. Wow. Thank you so much, Alice Ossie, for sharing your story. It can't have been easy, but it's so important that we remember the people of Aitape who were lost that day. Thank you also to Hilda Wayne for that interview and Caroline Tiriman for translating. Hilda, we're looking forward to having you back here on Sisters soon. You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. 
Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, more stories from Aitape. What happened to people in the aftermath of the disaster? And what did it teach us about disaster prevention and response? From now, with a lot of awareness going, people and the awareness is like when there's a big sound coming from the ocean, you don't run to the ocean to see what's coming. You take your bag, give your bag to the ocean and run into the bush. That's one lesson. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production presented by me, Ruth Alec, filling in for Hilda Wayne. Our producer is Alice Matthews. Supervising producer is Kim Lester and Fele Angafulu. Inga Stunzna is our executive producer. Sisters Let's Talk is created on Wiradjuri, Nanawal Nambri, Yagara, Turrbal and Darabal country. And we pay our respect to elders past and present. Thank you to us. Look at you back again next time.